Hello, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to your new favorite podcast. This is Chapter and Chat. I am your humble host, Jamel. Well, in this season, we're dealing with new visions for black men by Dr. Naeem Akbar. Introduction by Dr. Bryant T. Marks. So let's get into it. All right, so here we go. Introduction. Right time, the right place, the right author. It is my distinct honor and pleasure to offer introductory words to the updated version of a book that changed my life written by a man that inspired a people. I read Visions for Black Men in 1982 as a sophomore at Morehouse College while taking a black psychology class. The fact that Dr. Akbar was a professor at Morehouse during the 1970s and that we both went to the University of Michigan for graduate school established a virtual connection within my mind about which he did not know until several years later. Over the past decade, I have included Dr. Akbar's model of males to boys to men in several of the presentations and workshops with young black males and the teachers, parents, and other adults that interact with and care for them. The principles are timeless, but I am ecstatic that he is releasing new visions to introduce the model and his insights to a new generation of black males. Divine timing never ceases to amaze at the writing of new visions for black men. Black men serve as the President of the United States, Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary of Education, Secretary of Transportation, and up until very recently, the Attorney General. There are over 35,000 African-American millionaires, male and female combined, three African-American billionaires. More African-American males have health care, high school diplomas, and college degrees than at any other time in U.S. history. And despite still woefully disparate incarceration rates for black males, there has begun a slow but steady decline. Although these facts sound good on the surface, let's add some context. President Obama passed significant health care legislation during the very small 4.5 month window, late September 2009 through early February 2010, at the beginning of his first term in office, working with a majority of Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives and 60 Democrats in the Senate. Outside of that window, however, Republicans contested almost every piece of legislation that President Obama proposed, and some of which would have significantly helped the African-American community. Although there were four black men holding secretary positions in 2015, President Obama appointed roughly the same number of African-Americans to cabinet positions as George W. Bush, and a lower number than Bill Clinton. Although we have 35,000 black millionaires, 
there actually should be 300,000 given the size of the American population that is African-American. And we should have 70 rather than three black billionaires. The statistics in healthcare, education, and incarceration are better than in previous years, but significant gaps with white Americans still remain. To say this is the best of times and worst of times for African Americans does not seem appropriate. Rather, this seems to be the slightly better of times and the, it could be the worst of times. The brilliance of New Visions is that it provides a framework and language that exposes black people and those who care about them to the specific knowledge, skills, attitudes, and behaviors necessary to improve their lives. Applying the vernacular of the book to the aforementioned statistics and observations, the male would say, it's cool that we have a black president. The boy would ask, what has the black president done for me? But the man would ask, What can the black president do for us and how can we help him? This book challenges the reader, regardless of race and gender, to engage an introspective set of questions that will fundamentally include, am I a man or not? To explore human development through the lens of the black male is not only timely, it is extremely appropriate in the context of America. Whether it is health, income, education, incarceration, societal perceptions, or life expectancy, black males have more negative life outcomes than any other racial or gender group with the exception of Native Americans living on reservations. Within the two years preceding the release of New Visions, several black males, many unarmed, have died at the hands of police officers. Many of these incidents were videotaped and viewed by millions of Americans and people around the world. The list of victims and the states in which the incidents occurred includes, but not limited to, Eric Garner, John Crawford, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Walter Scott, Freddie Gray, Azale Ford, Alton Sterling, and Philando Castillo. Videotapes notwithstanding, less than 3% of police that killed black males have been convicted. Males and boys will not have the self-knowledge, selflessness, confidence, independence, and commitment to justice and their people to speak through to power regarding the unjust killing of young black males, but men do. While some males and boys may forward a Black Lives Matter quote or march in a protest, which they see more as a fun activity that everyone else is doing that in a demonstration of deep conviction, the man will compliment marching with political, economic, and spiritual strategies designed to improve conditions for the masses over the long term. Men vote. Men read. Men create. Men organize. 
men pray. Men are disciplined. Men engage in the hard and sacrificial work that leads to progress, even when they know they will not see the full fruit of their labor. In the face of negative societal challenges and negative outcomes, many black men have transitioned from the maleness of the caterpillar to the boyhood of the cocoon to the manhood of the butterfly. The analogy of the caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly, metamorphosis used in new visions is a vivid and compelling illustration of development that allows the black male to envision himself in three distinct but naturally progressive stages. It allows him to realize that just as there is a butterfly potential in the caterpillar, there is manhood potential in the male. The ability for black men to excel personally, socially, professionally, and spiritually, in spite of an adverse and obstacle-laden environment, is the epitome of the American dream. His success, which should be statistically improbable, needs to be appreciated and studied by anyone who cares about optimal human development. Although modern black males face challenges of many stripes, Dr. Akbar methodically describes the lives, challenges, and victories of Moses and Jesus to illustrate the divine hand that guides the steps of fully developed men. He then provides more recent examples of black men via the narratives and achievements of Marcus Garvey, W.B. Du Bois, Elijah Muhammad, Martin Luther King Jr., and Paul Robeson, amongst others. The clear message is that these men, through a variety of experiences, developed into men during periods of blatant oppression, racism, and having enemies who were visible and unapologetic in their pharaoh Herod-like opposition. These men, in the tradition of other great African men, felt justifiably entitled to be human. They are the Imhotep, the Ramses, the Akhenaten, and the Mansamusas of the modern era. As the first people to exist and think and create civilization, the African man has more experience with being a man than anyone else. He is the first manifestation of God in the flesh, and as such, he should never feel subservient or second to anyone else. It is my deepest hope and expectation that this book will inspire and challenge modern black men to reach true butterfly manhood as it has for me. Peace and blessings. Reverend Dr. Brian T. Mark Sr. Atlanta, Georgia, July 10th, 2016. forward. I first met Dr. Anaim Bakbar the summer of 1994. I was president of the University of Toledo Black Student Union and working for a program called Toledo Excel. The program was taking nearly two dozen high school students on an ambitious cultural and academic expedition to Ghana, West Africa, and Doc, as I would refer to him years later, was the lead U.S. academian 
providing instruction during our courses at the University of Ghana at Ligon. I watched as Dr. Akbar navigated with ease both the intellectual engagement of students during the day and the psychological support of young spirits during evening mentoring. It was during this experience I realized that I wanted more exposure to and tutelage from this giant spirit. Upon returning to the States, I immediately picked up Visions for Black Men, published only three years before I cracked its simplistically bold cover. The book spoke to me immediately. I tore through its pages, convicted and inspired, informed and directed. I had a dad that was present in my life and a village of men who had invested in me. But no previous instruction presented such deep insight into the psyche of black men the historical realities that impacted our present situation or the unapologetic accountability required to become a man. My problem at that time was I was 20, arrogant, rebellious against being mentored, budding talent potential, but had not created an ecosystem of elders to guide me or develop friendships that welcome the kind of transparent engagement that helps men cultivate each other in a better way. I was a boy trying to guide myself through a manhood curriculum. As a result, this early phase of my development was a short-lived process. It would be nearly a decade before I picked up visions again for personal use. It was a terrible personal moment. I was in the midst of a divorce, was an inconsistent dad, and was in a crisis of character. This time I cracked open Dr. Akbar's work looking to discover what my own vision of manhood was. I was immediately forced to look into a mirror, and the reflection staring back at me was that of a grown-ass boy pretending to be a man. Chapter by chapter, I acknowledged personal flaws and developed strategies to address them. Chapter by chapter, I saw the errors I'd made in establishing and operating in relationships and began to see new ways to love. Finally, I constructed a vision for manhood that was divinely connected to my purpose on earth and started walking towards it. I haven't stopped. Visions for Black Men became the lifeline that helped me go beyond the rhetoric of manhood and dared me to develop a manhood strategy. Nearly another decade has passed. I'm in a wonderful marriage, love my daily interaction with my children, and even in my imperfection, see a man in the mirror I am proud of, using his gifts to enrich his family and the world. You may be asking why I'm talking so much about myself and not the book. I have come to realize that books are empty words if the instruction on the pages doesn't lead the reader to transformation. I am more equipped to tell you about my own transformation than I am anyone else's. But as was my very transformation, aided by the visions of black men, that led me to use the book as I assisted brothers in going through their own journey. For years, it was my go-to text when I spoke to boys and men about self-development, manhood, and the strength found in the relationships for real men. One day, that recommendation was televised for millions of people on the OWN network. 
Iyanla Fix My Life program. I was asked by Iyanla Vincent to speak to some brothers who had multiple children with multiple mothers and were struggling with who they were and wanted to become. At one point in the show, I mentioned Dr. Akbar and Visions for Black Men. I provided a summation of his teachings on the developmental stages of the male, boy, and man. I further confessed how I and so many had been boys dressed like men, ruining our lives and those relying on us to be real men. Several of the fathers on the show immediately related to the reference, and one even acknowledged his failure to operate as a man, specifically in his relationships with women. You would have thought I wrote the book as hundreds of brothers reached out to me asking for the title of the book I'd read mentioned on the Yala's show. Scores of women contacted me via social media to say they too wanted to read Visions for Black Men or buy it for a loved one. But the correspondence I was most excited came from Dr. Akbar's son communicating the increase in requests for the book and if I was open to speaking with Doc. Writing this forward is the completion of a cycle. As men, we are often presented with information that inspires us, but doesn't motivate us to move. We are often led to move, but lack the support and mentorship required to truly evolve. Still, many men have the inspiration and motivation coupled with instruction but have never built a circle of accountability that ensures that they are surrounded by men to encourage their best potential and not boys that validate their weakness and immaturity. I can tell you that Visions was one of the many tools I needed to begin a journey of manhood that has, and I pray, will never end. Dr. Akbar's new Visions is poised to enlighten both boys trying to develop their vision of what manhood will be for them, as well as men looking for an evolved sense of self. As you read this reimagined visions for black men, imagine, seek, embrace, and claim your best self. That man inside you longing to live in the light of day, he walks in imperfect character, defying hate in order to personify love and recognizing that the true testament of every man lies in something infinitely more powerful than a title or bank account. But in our legacy, the one that we build every day with each decision, what's the vision you have for your legacy, black man? Now is the time to build. Jeffrey Johnson, CEO. JLJ Communications of Cleveland, Ohio, July 2016. The 1991 edition, its introduction. Much has been written and spoken in recent years regarding the crisis of the African-American man. He has been characterized as an endangered species, a victim of genocide, the most vulnerable American, 
and a variety of other catastrophic descriptions. The rhetoric of this condition is second only to the awesome statistics and painful facts which illustrate the most unfortunate circumstance of black men in America. No rational person who is aware of these facts could with any claim to sanity minimize this situation. It is vital that we assess the situation of the African-American man within an historical and spiritual sound context. In fact, the crisis of the African male in America began with the landing of the first slave ship in the vicinity of 400 years ago. This crisis has had varying levels of intensity throughout our recent history in North America, interacting with the conquerors from Europe. If we mean by crisis, the critical turning point in a situation with specific reference to life-threatening circumstances, then we have been in a perpetual state of crisis. The millions of African people who died in the Middle Passage and the subsequent millions who died from abuse and neglect on the plantation certainly constitute as a crisis. When we recount the mutilations, murders, dismemberment, violent beatings and inhuman brutal abuse, we see a crisis. When we recall the terror of intimidation and psychological dismemberment, we see a crisis. When we are reminded of the destruction to family units, culture, intellect, spiritual concepts, the human degradation, and the centuries of terrorist attacks against Africans in America, there's no other way to understand these conditions except as persistent, life-threatening, and murderous conditions. In many ways, the tendency to focus on the contemporary status of African-American men as a particular crisis fails to appreciate the full context of the history of African people in America. Such failure deprives us of some important facts in our past which influence our present situation. It also permits a partially blind analysis to blame the victim and abdicate the responsibility of the perpetrator of these conditions. Even more importantly, by ignoring the full historical context of these present conditions, we fail to take note of the very significant fact that the survival of African people under these extraordinary conditions is a phenomenon of miraculous proportions. The fact that we still have casualties as a result of this unrelenting attack on African humanness and life is far from an incidental event. With the ongoing economic educational, psychological, political, even military assault on black life, there is no wonder that we have prisoners of war. Poor, uninformed, self-destructive and confused people. Whatever modern techniques of warfare that might characterize this attack on black men, the conditions are essentially unchanged for the fallen dead and dying whether in hubs of slave ships or southern plantations, in police-infected urban ghettos, on AIDS deathbeds, or on death row in prisons of America, death is death, and death has been a constant companion to the black man and the woman throughout the African encounter with Europeans. Black resilience and apparent stubborn determination to survive and thrive are nothing short of a miracle. It would be most informative to assess the potential of anything approaching the African victory over oppression with other human beings on the planet. 
We were never intended to survive in America and our survival has been in direct defiance of the most consistent, brutal and devastating attack on human life in the modern history of humanity. The fact that African people continue to produce exceedingly effective human beings whose intellect, talents, and most importantly, their human sensitivity and moral life have remained intact is nothing less than clear evidence of divine intervention in modern history. When problems are analyzed and approached with the essential focus on the negative, then the solutions will invariably be reactions rather than actions. Reactions lock you in the construct of the problem. If we look at what's wrong to the exclusion of attending to a model of success, health and solutions, then the consequence will be a social theory written out of despair and modeled in disturbance rather than truth. This approach to experiences will be constant in a state of correction rather than reconstruction or restoration of an order that affirms our progress as human beings. This means that we build a society with nothing more than a few handouts to address transitory crisis intervention, remedial programs, methadone treatments, larger prisons, more effective crime control, drugs for human restraint and politics of compromise. This is not the stuff that human progress is made of. Human progress requires a vision. This vision must be of an idealized form of how things ought to be with the focus on the best concept of the potentials of the group involved. It must be based on a vivid and exalted concept of what those people have been at their best. It must be drawn from a metaphysical conception of the order to the universe. It must incorporate the triumphs over encounters with disordered life forms, and it must have sustained conception of the resurrecting, regenerative, and transformative nature of the human existence. This vision for black men must have several elements. On the one hand, it must be panoramic in its integration of ancient and pre-European intervention in the African experience. The experience of the American Holocaust, i.e. enslavement of African people, the consequences of white supremacy and racism, and the contemporary European-American socialization. The impact of each of these components must be considered in any thorough analysis of the condition of black men. It must break away from the traditional social science conceptions of linear time, i.e. events moving systematically from past to present towards the future. With present causative factors being most influential, it must consider that life events and causative factors cannot be gleaned from observations of the immediate circumstances, but must take account the interplay of multiple and metaphysical causation. Such logic is rather alien to the Western scientific and metaphysical reality. While it is captured in divine scriptures and in the folk traditions of most of the peoples on the earth, it is particularly relative and relevant to understanding the cosmos from the vantage point of African people or Afrocentricity. The vision must also be holistic. It must take into account physical, 
material realities, mental, social realities, and spiritual, moral realities. Such holistic thinking is difficult for people deeply entrenched in the Western approach to knowledge. Primarily a system of analysis that prides itself in its ability to break things down, compartmentalize them, and gain mastery through focus on the fragments. Western specialization is both its greatest strength and its greatest flaw. The fact that they have social sciences with no spiritual consciousness has produced a breed of morally retarded manipulators of human life. The fact that their medical personnel are experts on the body has made them inadequate healers because of their failure to take into account the interaction of the mind and the soul in the process of dis-ease as well as healing. This African vision for black men must include the full dimensions of human experience and understand that there is no event which does not have simultaneous and systematic impact on other systems of existence. The body does not even experience tension that is not simultaneously registered in the mental and spiritual spheres. Spiritual issues cannot be easily observed outside of some material expression, whether acknowledged or not. A mind operating in a body improperly nourished is deficient, as a body operating with a mind inadequately conscious is handicapped. There is no science without a moral reference, and the visible always has parallels which are invisible. What is tangible is only a reflection of a higher, intangible reality. What is perceived as immediate is only a link in the chain of perceived causation. A vision must be comprehensive if it will serve the role of initiating revolutionary occurrence. Because we conceive this vision for black men within a Afrocentric context, we have incorporated the elements discussed above. Our data moves seamlessly from the insights of Eurocentric social science to the imagery of religious scriptures. It utilizes poetry, allegory, and rhetoric with the same facility as it utilizes the empirical evidence of the senses. It draws upon the power of symbols, myths, and imagery as liberally as it draws upon quantification and classification. The objective is to chart a course formed out of the natural expression and experience of African people. The idea is to view an aspect of our experience, the reality of being black men from the full range of what is considered real by the ancient criteria of science as established by African minds long ago. This is the only way that we can build a proactive vision for ourselves which draws upon our strengths rather than our weaknesses. This is the only way that we can move beyond seeing ourselves as endangered victims and seeing ourselves as agents of self-determination and determining creatures of change. This is the only way that we can be and begin to conceptualize our reality from the vantage point of our own center rather than being the exceptional case on the non-normative scale of someone else's continuum of reality. Our vision, our vision must take us beyond where we are to achieve a new and higher state 
We must conceive a new and higher state in a new and higher way. In anticipation of my critics, it is rather important that I make several disclaimers. This collection of ideas focuses on the plight of black men and deals with those issues in an isolated way, which actually contradicts one of my essential principles about being holistic and contextual when analyzing issues. We assume from the outset that men and women are inextricably tied together and fully equal in all aspects of their fundamental humanity. The conditions affecting the lives of African men and women, in fact, all men and women are inseparable, though the images and illustrations in this discussion focus on American men, there is no assumption that these issues are gender specific and do not have a comparable impact on women. The prophetic vision though, phrased in masculine terms is not a men-only vision, but a vision for African people as a whole and ultimately a vision for the highest expressions for the entirety of those who choose to be authentically human. So this is not an exclusive, elitist, racist, or sexist vision. It focuses on a particular in order to speak to some undesired and universal issues. We do, however, contend that there are some unique problems that black men and women face differently. We recognize that certain problems which occur in greater prevalence among one of the other sexes is, again, the expression, the symptoms, and the more global of a problem. Because of the limitations of language and the compartmentalization of logic and Western thought in general, there are inevitable confusions and dichotomies that may be implied but not intended. We implore the reader to be sensitive to these difficulties and to attribute to the writer's biases and inhibitions that are the legacy from deficiencies in the system and language that we are forced to use. Finally, I must extend personal thanks to Abdul Shakir, who prodded and assisted me in the project whose help was invaluable. My office staff, Gloria Mookman, Troy Council, and Andrew Gray was the muscle behind getting this done. There are hundreds of people who made possible the presentations out of which these essays emerged and whose inspirations and insistence kept me working on the project. My thanks to all of them, my family and the ancestral spirits who serve as agents of the Almighty, whose benevolence has permitted all. Peace be unto you, Dr. Naeem Akbar, Tallahassee, Florida, January 25th. 1991. Now that we have the introductions all done and taken care of, it's time to go ahead and get into the meat and potatoes of this book. It's time to dig in deep and understand what our visions for black men is or has to be, must be, and should be. So let's go ahead. Let's get ready for chapter one. From maleness to manhood. 